Saruman believes that it is only a great power that can hold evil in check. But that is not what I have found. I found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. Simple acts of kindness and love. Welcome to episode 262 of the Filmmakers Podcast. podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between how to get them made how to make them and how to try not to fuck it up, F it up. Oh, <laughs> in our very blue. very <laughs> humble <laughs> opinion she went blue for the dads bit of blue for the dads <laughs> <laughs> every time every time this is our very special episode with the absolute star that is sir ian mckellen I thought you were going to say us at first, but no, it was no, no. We were just we were just hanging on inside. I was, but I will introduce you now. Of course, my hosts today with me are Matthew Butlerhart and Tori Butlerhart. Hello. Hello, John. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Yeah, good. It's nice to have you back hosting. It's an absolute delight. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. Thank you for sorting this out. It was you guys who set this up with Ian McKellen, and uh, all our listeners massively appreciate you for it. As do I. No, no not at all. No, I mean, because we chatted to him about it a while ago, because we wanted to try and get him on earlier. But, you know, Ian McKellen, the busiest 82-year-old in the world. Yeah. You know, Unbelievable. We finally, we finally it's official. Finally got him up. It's official, right? It's official. He's officially the busiest 82-year-old yes. in the world, I think. Yeah, yes. pretty much. Yeah. And if you don't know, uh, Matthew and Tori have made many feature films themselves, including Two Down, Missing Her Teens, The Isle, and, of course, Infinitum Subject Unknown, which does star Tori and Ian McKellen. Hey, how cool. Nice. Count. I mean, I, mean, I know I was like, Tori's the lead. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, does, it does star me. And yes. Ian is Ian in is it. Ian is in it. Yeah. Correct. Ian is in it. If you've not seen it, then do go watch the film. It is brilliant. They made it in lockdown on their iPhone and just the two of them. It's totally, totally brilliant filmmaking. Totally worth seeing. And we did a whole episode about it as well, which was episode 212. So you can listen to that uh, episode. But on this episode, we talk to Ian Blooming McKellen and it's an absolute delight it was so much fun wasn't it talking to him yeah. I loved it yeah it's amazing it's, it's always it's always a little bit intimidating I've known yeah. him for almost 20 years I'm not going to lie I still I uh, still kind of the first like half an hour going, Bro, Ian McKellen like, yeah but I'm <laughs> Yeah, I can't help it. You yeah, know? but um, it's just he, he, he just sort of exudes that. Sort he of does, and sort of. Well, because because also, I mean, there was a sort of partly just sitting in his house, and yeah, like um, you've got Magneto's helmet over yeah. there. You've got Gandalf's sword, sword. Just hanging out in the corner. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh my god! Yeah. yeah, I walked in. He offered me some a, a, a cup of tea. He scooted off upstairs to make it, and then came met you two in his room. And there's Magneto's helmet and the sword of whatever. Uh, <laughs> And I'm and, and suddenly I'm going, oh, okay. And then he uh, comes down with a cup of tea for me. This is gorgeous. And then he says, would you like some Christmas cake? And I said, oh, I'd, I'd love to win, but, you know, I'm plant-based. Yeah. I can't have it. And he went, well, this one's vegan. <gasps> he said, I've it That's what he said, the next vegans door. next door. <laughs> and I haven't had Christmas cake for maybe five years because of this, because there's not many vegan options around. I just haven't. And so this was an absolute treat for me. So now, like you say, it's intimidating. I'm put off because I've got vegan Christmas cake. I really want to eat it. <laughs> I'm trying to unravel the cables and he goes, how long? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, it's, it's an hour. He goes, well, we better get on with it then. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> Should we list some of Ian's amazing credits just for people if they don't know and just to remind them of what he has done? I'll do a few to start us off with. So Six Degrees of Separation with Will Smith, one of Will Smith's first leading roles. Last Action Hero. With Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. I know he's so good in that. Yeah, I think one of his most recent ones, which I love, another Bill Condon film with Helen Mirren, The Good Liar, which is yes, brilliant. And Mr. Holmes was brilliant as well. Mr. Holmes again. Yeah. yeah, and I think this is true. I was going to ask Ian about it, but I forgot that um, he did a thing, like sort of a TV film called Loving Walter, and I think it was the first 
sort of non-factual thing that was Channel 4 when it first launched. And it's, he's brilliant in it. Yes. Yeah. I th- we also talked about a film that no one knows he starred in, which was one of his first films that never got a release. That was a bit of a coup. That was quite nice, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. was that was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd missed the film he was in. I was like, yeah. Oh, no. we, were, we, we all did. We were all, Giles was pouring through his notes. <laughs> How on earth did I manage to miss <laughs> one of his films? This is terrible. And no, no, never, no one's ever seen it. No, no one's ever seen it. So we talked about that. Um, also, he starred in Jack and Sarah, which is, I loved that film as a kid. Oh, Richard E. Oh, Graham. Brilliant. X-Men brilliant. movies, five of those as Magneto. Yes. Which we talk yeah. about. Lord of the Rings, six of those. Da Vinci Code with you, Matt. Starred with you. No, we, <laughs> which we did not which talk about. Which we did not talk about. We didn't, Almost yeah. entirely cast out of. Oh, yes. oh, oh, babe, it's like it's sort of happening all oh. over again. <laughs> Didn't, didn't get to talk about didn't it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it never existed. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it was in uh, Stardust, The Golden Compass as well. Egad Zombies, your short film, is fantastic in that. Of I'm, yeah, you're also, I'm in. also in as well. Yes. People can watch that on your yeah. website, right? No, it's no. currently hidden, but we will release it. I think we might re-release we, it. We might, uh, yeah, may if people ever want <laughs> I think people do. Yeah. He's also got a blog, which he talked about. Link to that will be in the show notes. It's kind of his book on filmmaking. He also offers us that one of his scripts he'll talk about that so when he does you'll be able to find a link to that as well yeah and Richard when he Richard the Third that's it's the that's the script isn't it so on on his on his blog I think that's where he talks about is getting the oh is it Sorry, okay. <laughs> he also talks about, um, in, you know, in a script, what he looks for um, when he's sort of choosing what next project he wants to do as well, which is very interesting. Yes, exactly. What's sort of most important to him, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also what not to do. <laughs> Equally important. Yes, very important. This is Ian McKellen, everyone. He's um, has received numerous awards, including seven Laurence Olivier Awards. Tony Award, Golden Globe Award, Screen Actors Guild Award, two Academy Award nominations, uh, five Primetime Emmy Awards, four BAFTAs. Oh my gosh. That's, that's um, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, it's, it's a lot for us to get into. Um, and we mentioned what we could, but we missed out on talking about cats. So wow. obviously, it was disappointed by that hugely Absolutely. I imagine yeah crashing disappointment <laughs> maybe we can do like an add on like, I think maybe maybe a cat special <laughs> maybe we could get Judy on as well yeah. and do a, do a Judy and Ian cat special I'm all down for that I'm yeah, totally down for that, that. Yeah. Let, yeah. let's see if we can make it happen <laughs> should we get to the episode with Ian then <gasps> yes please Charles do remember you can follow us on Patreon if you like this then do dive in there we've got so many bonus bits and pieces including a bit of Ian McKenna including a bit of Matt and Tori uh, as well so there's more filmmaking talk of how you can go out there and make your films as well and the wrap up every Sunday sign up if you haven't already link to that is in the show notes right here it is myself Matthew and Tori talking to the legend that is Sir Ian McKenna What's that? So I says hello. Hello. Everything all right? Yeah, yes. That's okay. Uh, thank you so much. Pleasure. This is absolute joy in your home as well. It's gorgeous. Very special. Very special. Uh, joined by Matthew and Tori, but the hearts are. Hello, Giles. Hi, Giles. I'm all right. I'm all right. Our, our family was very keen on the performance of. Yes. Which we did privately at home, singing and reciting poems and, and playing the piano, which my father and sister did together. And we went out together as a family to the theatre a great deal. And there were three theatres in Bolton when uh, I was a, a lad. But we didn't much go to the cinema. Mm. I can remember Dad saying he wanted to take me to see a musical. It was called Three Little Words. Three little words. Da, 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 three little words. <laughs> three little words are I love you. Yes, yeah. I was just about to say, uh, Bob, yeah, Pope, is it I Bob love Pope you? Was in it. So that was my first musical. Um, but on the whole, we didn't go to the cinema because I think my parents thought they were not very wholesome places. Well, I was going to, because did you come from quite a religious was your father or yes. grand, your grandfathers? Yes, they, they, they were very religious, mm. but they were not puritanical at all. No. So it wasn't, it wasn't that they thought that um, cinema would 
it was degrading in any way. No, it was just your a, mind. the quality of the the, <laughs> the cinemas was not <laughs> high, and the, you know they were free pits. Right, yeah. the actual buildings. Okay, not what yeah, was being so, shown. So, the theatre was a little bit more. Um, you could see where you were, you know, and <laughs> you, you felt safe. So I never got into the habit of going to the pictures, right. as we called them, mm-hmm. and I was never a member of the ABC Miners, you know, which did Saturday morning serials, and I've still still not got into the habit of regularly going to the cinema like most of my friends do, mm. whereas I still go to the theatre a lot. Yeah. So I'm a sort of theatre actor who landed in films by chance, really. Mm. I always used to say, I, I mean, until very recently, I, I'd never had any ambitions to be a film actor, and yet I've just read a... <laughs> Only the other day read a letter from my agent at the time. And uh, in the 70s, I wrote him a long screed complaining as to why I wasn't in... Why am I not in movies? Cinema. And I don't remember that feeling that at all. Oh, my goodness. But it did come to me rather late. I, I've made a film almost every year mm. yeah. of my career, beginning in 1964, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I went off to... Um, Switzerland to be in a, a Mirish Brothers film called The Bells of Hell Go ting a ling and it starred Gregory <laughs> Peck, who's a big oh. name at the time, glamorous American yes. mm-hmm. leading man. It was an adventure story about him and, and a, a troop of younger people, including me, during the war. Uh, Switzerland was neutral during the mm-hmm. war, but... Um, they got involved in this story. And it was a summer movie. It had elements of Sound of Music, which had recently been a huge hit in the same country. And a lot of children in it. There was a bit of singing. <laughs> but I wasn't much enjoying it. I was confused by, by it. I, when I complained that Mr. Peck, who was playing an Englishman, kept saying lieutenant instead of lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> The director, who had directed the Marx Brothers in his time, David Miller, said to me, Ian, don't you understand that uh, the UK is only 5% of the world market? Mm. It was interesting, that, isn't it? Those sort of considerations don't bother theatre actors, but once you're making a movie for the international market, then I suppose your attitude's... um, get changed a bit. Anyway, the snow came early that year in Gestart, where we were filming, and uh, filming was abandoned. Oh. It was never finished. Oh, wow. But I got paid £4,000, which is my wow. salary, Huge. and with that £4,000 in the nice bank, now. That's yeah. That's <laughs> I, did, I didn't need to work for money. I have to thank my first film, though it never was finished. We were both looking at our notes going, I didn't, I didn't I know, I didn't about, know this about this film. film. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't because it doesn't no, exist. Exactly, I know. And have you great, ever though. seen any of it? No. I've got, I've got some photographs of it, but yeah. black and white. What, what were the major differences then at that point? Because you, you, you did develop into a huge theatre star and still are. But at the time, theatre was your home. That's where you wanted to be. Even though you said you didn't want to do film and TV in your mind, obviously we've got this letter that says you did. And obviously there was something burning in you. What did you find about when you did start making film that was different, that you found... How did you get into characters as opposed to theatre? Was there a difference for you? I suppose the biggest difference, which pertains today, is that uh, although films take an awful lot of time setting up and arranging, particularly the financing and so on, and bringing everyone together, the one bit of preparation that doesn't happen is, 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 is rehearsing the actors and preparing them. Hmm. You're just expected to go in on the day, and be the character. Now, you'll have talked about it a bit, I suppose, and thought about it a lot. But in the theatre, you would have done the same and still had a month getting to know the character, getting to know the other characters, and making decisions and and discarding ideas and trying things out. None of this is possible in, in filming. And I've never really understood why films are not prepared more in advance, as far as the acting is concerned. When I introduced Brian Singer, who directed the uh, X-Men movies, uh, to the idea of a, a rehearsal, he didn't... He, I had to explain to him what you did in a rehearsal. <laughs> but did he give it to you? He did not know what it meant. So uh, we sat round, uh, Brad Renfro and Brian and I, with our scripts, and, and I, he said, now what do we do? I said, well, Brad and I, read it. You read it? Okay, read it. 
So we read it, and I stopped halfway through and, and asked a question about the line. And Brian just threw the script up in the air and said, I can't do this. So, oh, wow. so we didn't. So you <laughs> but, didn't. But, the, you know, he's not unusual. Uh, uh, film directors don't know about no, rehearsing yeah. and preparing. And You get your blocking. And that's they've, sort of they've, hired, they've hired casting directors who will pick actors who will be able to deliver uh, just what is required. Mm. Uh, so I found, uh, subsequently, I found that very difficult. So there's a lot more preparation for an actor going into film than, than theatre, I guess, because you have to, you know, you, you, your first day might be one of your last scenes. So to be able to sort of get well, to there that, is that point. too. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, I, I, my first day I did Gandalf's entrance into the films mm. at Bag End in the cart. And my second day, about three days later, we were not in location, we were in the studio in Wellington, and I was doing the last scene of the third movie. Uh, yeah, I oh, wanted to wow. ask you about this. Thing and because I had you to say goodbye to, to the Hobbits, and I, wow. I didn't know who they were. I'd never met them before. I said to Peter, well, well, I, I had read the script, but uh, mm. I said, well, do I know these people well? Do I like them? He said, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> You've been through a lot together. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I did what I think many actors do in films when they're not sure. They don't do anything at all. Right. I bank on the editing and the other hmm. actors and mm -hmm. the music uh, and the soundtrack and hope that will bring it together. And I must say, if you look at me in my last scene, you'll see a, a face that is expressing nothing. But Oh, that's you, not true either. You can read into it what you like. And, um, <laughs> so it's all right. But that's extraordinary. I, I knew they did them back to back, but I thought they did number one and then two. And then I didn't realise they were skipping it backwards quite literally and forwards. It was the, all over the place. That's oh, as I remember, terrifying. it was all over the place, yes. That is extraordinary. And uh, so each day shooting usually began with Peter saying, you know, where we were in the plot. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's happened yeah. so far. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big mm. difference. And then I was, uh, as a Tyro film actor, I was having to discover how much or how little uh, the actor had to do in terms of uh, projecting a performance. And now in mm. the theatre, the projection is, is, is a crucial thing in, in the use of your body and your and your voice. And you have to be able to reach everybody in a, a, an auditorium, small or large. Uh, in the cinema, the audience is closer to you than any audience in the theatre, obviously, particularly in a close-up. And there, I think I'd read or heard Michael Caine uh, recommend that uh, you did nothing. You can't, of course, do nothing, but mm -hmm. uh, don't lay anything on top of what you are, I suppose, is the message. I think I've got used to that now, but it's taken me a long time because I, I connect acting with deep breathing and, and voice control and mm. projection and, and telling the audience what I'm doing. Well, in the, in the, in a film... That's the last thing you, you need. Film, on the whole, being the naturalistic medium. You know, in, in, in the theatre, all you have to do is, as Shakespeare said on the first line of Troilus and Cressida, in Troy there lies the scene. That means you don't have to build Troy, you don't have to see Troy, you just know you're there. Yeah. And Shakespeare's always saying, making comments on the weather or the time of day so the audience knows where you are. <laughs> Those performances were done in the open air where there would be no changes of lighting and so on and atmosphere. In the cinema, all that work is done for you. When, when Paul Schofield, the great stage actor who won an Oscar for, was that film called The Man for All Seasons? Mm -hmm. I think he only his second or third film. It was called The Train, directed by John Frankenheimer, which involved Schofield dressed as a Nazi, I think, robbing a train or stealing a train or something. And he was standing in front of a large a steam engine that was ready to move and steam going and whistles and everything else. And he was standing in front. And he did the scene, and uh, having had no rehearsal, of course. And uh, Frankenheimer said to Schofield, um, that's very good, Paul, but you don't have to act the train. <laughs> <laughs> Now, in the theatre, you do have to act the train because yeah. it's not there. Yeah. So that, that's a big difference. Mm. Your responsibilities are much, much less in the cinema. And uh, further proof of that is in the theatre, when you meet an audience after rehearsal, the director is no longer to required. Mm. He's off the payroll often. He opens it up and... Uh, Never to be seen. Has to be called in <laughs> if something goes wrong. Yeah. Though some directors are very diligent and see as many performances as they can. But in the cinema, when 
at that equivalent point, the actor has finished his work, he's on to the next job, hopefully, and that's when the work starts for the director and the editor, and they then make the movie. Mm. You have just contributed. In the theatre, you're in charge. Mm. Mm. That's why I think, on the whole, actors who do both will say, well, the real test is, is the theatre, because you have to do so much more than act. Mm-hmm. And do, and that sort of relinquishing of power, <laughs> in a way, did like I suppose I guess I don't know some actors perhaps that would be it's kind of reassuring to have you know that like oh well actually it is very much in the hands of the editor and the director and the producers for a lot of the t- a lot of the time but do, uh, that sort of relinquishing of power do you f- do you find that frustrating sometimes having less control working on film no I just take it as a matter of fact and uh, I've only produced a film once and yeah. never directed one and, and yeah. so it's rather nice to just be the the hired help the employee <laughs> and you come in and you do your even if you're playing the leading part you're just a part yeah of, of the raw material that the the director will then with the editor fashion into a movie in home and he was playing um, bilbo baggins in the lord of the rings movies we had a scene together in Bag End, and he said, look, Ian, I, I gather Peter does a lot of takes. Uh, whatever angle the camera's at, we, we would repeat the scene many, many times. And he said, I will not be doing it the same. It'll be different every time, because I think my job as an actor is to give the director all the information I have about the character and see him in all sorts of different states and I can do that with the script Mm. and then it's up to him which he chooses to make the performance so that's a a modest view of what a film actor does but it Mm. is the truth yeah Uh, you're not in control which explains why so many stars film stars turn to directing and producing because they're they're aware they're not in control Mm. Now, in the theatre, it doesn't matter how celebrated your director or your producer or your fellow actors are, when you're there on stage speaking, you are in charge. And it's uh, more fulfilling, really. Every every part of you is, is, is being called on to contribute. I mean, what is wonderful in film is is that uh, if you've something really important to say, and 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 even if you don't, uh, often the camera will come in very very close, and it'll be a close up, and and you'll be filling the screen and uh, telling the story in that way. So you've had your chance, you've had your big moment. Whether that's going to be used by the director mm. will be entirely up to them and uh, I think that's why a lot of people don't go and see their own movies because they remember perhaps particular things that they did that they were pleased with and, and, and then it does, hasn't they made didn't the cut. please anybody else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it was out of focus and oh we can't yeah, use yeah. that no. uh, do you watch your own movies uh, do I yes Oh, yes, but I don't enjoy them. Right. (laughs) You don't study your own performance to sort of see, oh, this works, or that works? Yes, of course I look at my own performance. Yes, Mm. of course I do. And used it as a tool for, or or more of a just kind of like, oh, God, don't do that again? Yes, well, you, you could discover that, yes. Well, you have an impression as to what you're doing, and then when you look at it, you... It looks a bit different. So, mm. again, I think your your job's over when... Uh, it can be... The first time you see yourself is usually when you're... If you're adding the voice to it or changing mm. the voice and you have to go in for... ADR. ADR. That, of course, is a wonderful gift. You can change mm. your performance. You can change the intensity mm. of, of, of the, the dialogue if needs be. And you, you, you get adept in um, matching your voice to the movement of your lips if you're perhaps changing a word that, which might be required. Well, that's a wonderful thing to be able to do. And that's usually the point at which I see the, begin to see the, what we've filmed mm. yeah. and being surprised. But then it's often so far, I mean, months, months after, after you did it, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, of course, I can't remember. Mm. Peter Jackson, on the other hand, he will come to an ADR session and he says, it's not quite right, is it? Um, I'm referring to the takes that we did months before. He'll say, well, uh, what's take 13? I think that was a better one. Extraordinary, yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're in hands that are as safe as that, yeah. Mm. 
Well, you work with Peter Jackson six times and then Bill Condon four times. What mm. is it you look for in the obviously Peter Jackson thing? You didn't necessarily know it was going to be six at the time. But what is it you look for in directors when you're setting out or a script comes to you? Is it the script that appeals to you and then the director or...? Oh, yes. Well, a very distinguished British director sent me a script the other day. And unusually for me, I thought, oh, I must do this because it's, it's this man. Mm. Well, then it, I didn't much respond to the script. So mm. I said no. But mm. usually it's the script. Right. Yeah. I'm not good at reading scripts of plays or films. I... I, I often get it wrong and misjudge it. But my first question is, is this a film I would like to see? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And if the answer to that is yes, it will be because there's not too much violence in it, probably, uh, that it's funny when it's meant to be. <laughs> uh, and then I'll say, and is this a part that uh, I want to play? And, or is it a part I've already played in another movie? Mm. Right. Which could often yeah. be the case. I mean, after Gandalf, I was only offered parts that <laughs> were 100 wizards. years old. <laughs> um, Endless wizards. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll say, if you have a positive feeling about the script and the part, then, of course, I must meet the director. Mm. And if you don't know their work, then there's a lot that's taken on trust. Mm. But what I would hope a director would do, I always used to say, every director I worked with for the first 30, 40 years in film, I said, will you please teach me how to act in film? I don't know what I'm doing. Wow, I bet they didn't believe you. <laughs> and none, none, none of them ever did. Mm. No. Wow. They hadn't time. They hadn't time. Right. Or, you know, the directors and producers in films are always looking at their watch. Always. Yeah. I've lost track of what I was saying. Is that why you've worked with so oh, well, what, the same what, directors what quite a lot? I would like of a director. Yeah, because you've worked with Bill four times, haven't you? And, I mean, incredible performances in all four. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, incredible. Well, he gives me wonderful parts to play. Yeah. 90-year-old Sherlock Holmes. A, yes. a genius, That's yeah. with Helen Mirren. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, you're so... I mean, your character is, like... Honestly, Sneaky, wonderful, uh, I dark. I mean, you, you're a cold-blooded murderer. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, not to give spoilers. Not to give spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, nice, in case you nice, haven't seen nice it. Nice with it. Uh, but, yes. I mean, no, well, that's no, that's my brilliant. point. Because in the final scene, I had to keep reminding myself he's a murderer because I was heartbroken. Well, yeah. I was absolutely yes, heartbroken with how you uh, finished. Well, that's an easy trick isn't it you just say i'm playing a nice man yeah the fact that he does nasty things yes and he was he was so likable and lovable yeah well thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, yes so if a director's not going to teach me how to act i i do depend on them telling me the truth which they always do if if, if, if it's not been right if they're not liked what they've seen they what a fool they would be if they didn't say so because For sure. uh then they they're stuck with that um rotten material of course you can do it again and hopefully again and again and again not always i mean peter jackson would think nothing about doing uh, 20 takes of just one aspect of a scene and then it would be filled from another angle that's why those films took partly why those films took a long time to make where peter was loads of takes for him technically other directors are maybe more performance -based. yes well sometimes they'll, they'll say after the second take, well, I think we've got it. Mm. Oh, no, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Because I have, I, I've only just started rehearsing, as it were. Right. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. And then there was an extreme case of, of what often happens, because most films don't have the budget of, or the time that, that money brings. Mm. And, you know, you, you, you look at the call sheet, oh, my God, it's my big scene. Oh, my God, I've... We've only got the morning to do it. In. And we got to the end of one day in Hollywood when we were filming uh, Gods and Monsters. Mm -hmm. And I had a long rumination about my past talking to another character. And Bill said, it's 10 to 6 here and they're going to pull the plugs at 6 o'clock. This speech takes uh, eight minutes. <laughs> if you want to do it again, just start and do it again. Don't. I'm not going to say cut, because if I say cut, that's that's the end. That, that'll be it. we can't do any more. So cunning, the, cunning. Working against the clock mm. with no rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And I did this. I think I did the speech three times, probably. Eight minutes as well. Straight through. Wow, wow. Yeah. And then the 
then they stopped the filming <laughs> and the next day we would have to go on to the, the next scene. So it's um, every, every, every film has got its own problems and, um, and delights. But with Bill Condon, he always tells you the truth. It can be devastating. Really? <laughs> like you just come up and say, Ian, no. <laughs> Do you prefer that? I just like to know what... Uh, I'd like to please. Yes. You're only there to, to give the director what you can, as Ian Holm uh, illustrated. Yeah. I have been with directors who I've been frightened, scared of, and they've been... Um, don't say they've been bullies, but they've had a... I haven't felt comfortable, and, and mm. I, if I'm not at ease with the people and the situation, I'm, I don't think I'm going to act very well. Yeah. Mm. When, when, the, yeah. when the director sort of treats actors like sort of just props that are sort of moving around mm. and, and things, yes. that's one of the reasons I stopped well, acting. Well, they do that <laughs> partly out of ignorance of, as to how actors work. Absolutely. And they think... Yeah. I remember a theatre director saying to me once, only once, because I wouldn't ever work with them again. <laughs> he said, don't ask me uh, what you should do. Uh, I'm directing. You're, you're acting. If you don't think you could act, you shouldn't be playing the part. Oh, wow. You totally <laughs> depend on the script. You totally yeah. depend on the director. And you totally depend on the other actors. Yep. And uh, it's not just a question of you arriving, knowing how to do it. Which leads me back to, I wish there were more preparation. Yeah. Mm. With mm. Richard III... Because this was obviously yes. you'd done it on stage before you'd had that preparation. A lot of preparation. A lot. And the talent involved in that film was incredible. And this is, you produced it, you did uh, work on the screenplay, you wrote the screenplay as well. How was that then different? And I mean, our question always is why not again? And mm. also, you've sort of. Because it's such a brilliant that. film. Yeah, it's such a brilliant film and a brilliant performance. But what was it about that? I suppose there's three questions in one, really. But what was it about that that you said, I don't want to do producing again don't necessarily want to work on stuff well like i that. didn't think i was very good at producing really? i mean we'd played richard the third at the national theater and on tour at home and abroad and because because the 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 period of the of, of the story was updated to the 20th century i thought this might well work as, as a film and it's such a rattling good yarn <laughs> that with the encouragement of richard Eyre, the theater director who was mm -hmm. running the national theater at the time I, I i wrote a screenplay which he approved of but couldn't direct because he was busy running a whole large institution so i, I was then on my own having to go out and find what was I going to find? I had no idea. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> and anything, a camera, something. Yeah, I suppose you were like, what? what do you do? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I went to people who knew what to do, and, and many of them were in Los Angeles. And I, I had a very merry couple of weeks going around meeting high-powered studio bosses who were very encouraging uh, no oh. um, <laughs> polite polite okay uh, and i would make my pitch which i enjoyed doing uh -huh. and explain to them why i thought shakespeare could be popular in the cinema uh, and none of them was really interested in in, in making the film but by that time i had the help of some people who didn't end up producing the film actually people were recruited and, and, and began to take over and, 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 and do the jobs that had to be done. Mm. Like raising the funds. Mm -hmm. Oh dear, I didn't understand how all that was done. Getting it from a variety of sources, pre-selling the sales in various areas in the world. But I, I, had, a, I had a big say in the casting of it. Mm. I had a big say in the script, because I, I, it was my adaptation basically from the stage. Uh, and uh, I knew what the tone of the film should be, but I didn't know how to achieve it. And, and what was wonderful about Richard Longcrane's direction was that he professed no knowledge about Shakespeare, but a lot about the cinema. Uh, and for me, it was the reverse. So we never argued. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he said something about the camera has to be here or we, 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 we can do this in a different way or we need a hundred horses in this scene or whatever it was, I would just um, agree because he, he knew what he was doing. And equally, I would make a point about the script or mm. about the performance and and that was taken in good part by, by him. So it's a real so, collaboration on both parts. Yeah, absolutely. But it had taken two years to get between, between the point at which I started writing the script and it actually being filmed, that was t two years and I wasn't doing much else. Mm. And I just didn't think I was any good at it. And if I don't think I'm any good at something, I don't enjoy it. If, 
Exactly. Yeah. It's so a, the it's, thought of doing it ever again. Because it's so well, hard. I won't be doing it ever again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Didn't you feel differently once you saw the film all put together? You're yes. like, well, this is this is really good. <laughs> Did you sort of think, oh, maybe maybe I can do this? And this is my It was baby. everything that I'd hoped it would be. Hmm. Well, that was because of Richard and, and the actors hmm. and the script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I'm very very proud of it. I, I wish it were a bit longer. Was there a director's cut? It's a, oh yes, it's a, a director's cut. I think we pared it down to the bone and left it a little bit too raw. Mm. The, it it seems all a bit too easy, a bit too cartoony. But otherwise, it's very good and there's some wonderful performances. Mm. And really, we needn't go on talking about it because I've written a book about it. I've, I've, I've published the screenplay. On one page are the words that I selected from Shakespeare and on the other page there will be illustrations and explanations as to why I, we made the decisions that we did and stories about the filming and so on. It, it's, I think it's a model of what a, a published screenplay should, should, should be. Uh, but it's out of print. However, oh, oh, go if on. you access my website, yes. com, I think we are. <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, put a link in the show yeah, notes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you'll be able to have the whole screenplay uh, for free. Fantastic. Oh, uh, and it's... Um, oh, that's really fascinating. It's, it, it's, it's a, a good um, addition to the yeah. film. Hmm. Did you want to write again? I know you said you might not want to produce again, but did you want to adapt screenplays again or did uh, plays or did you want to actually write something from fresh for one of your ideas that you could be in? No, I didn't. I didn't. I think because I have such a satisfying time acting, mm. I'm not looking around for something else mm. to do. I mean, if it turned up, you know, if someone said, why don't you film whatever? I've just filmed Hamlet. I've just been playing Hamlet. I'm 80. Well, yes. Two or something. Mm. And at the invitation of another director who I trust, Sean Mathias, mm-hmm. particularly in the theatre, uh, although we did make the film with Bent, mm-hmm. I was in that film. We couldn't do our production on stage immediately because of COVID, so we decided to film it. Mm. Uh, and you, using the Theatre Royal Windsor, on whose stage we'd eventually do the stage production, we... Filmed in dressing rooms, in corridors, in the auditorium, in the flies above the stage, in the cellar beneath it, on the roof of the building, everywhere. Fantastic. Theatre Royal Windsor was Elsinore, which is where Hamlet takes place. Now, I'm suddenly involved in making a film. Very closely involved because um, it's, the, it's the main part and, and uh, I'd had a, quite an input into the stage production. So, But again, I didn't. Fortunately, didn't have to get involved in the financing. That was all sorted out mm. by our producer. So, no, I have been trying to write a play, but not a, not, not a mm. screenplay. Uh, I had an, a bright idea that I'm not going to tell you about. <laughs> and I haven't been able to write this script. And I wonder, as we're having this chat, whether I, I haven't sorted it out, because it's perhaps not a play and it ought to be a screenplay. Ah. Mm. But, you know... I, Watch this I, face. I, I'm, with what the time I've got left, I, I'm, I'm happy to just, just to be called up, Rins, and well, I suppose can you also, I mean, come and film. But I, I mean, I think you said this before. You know, with Richard the Third and things, it takes so much of your time. It takes all of your time to produce a, a film. That's you can't do anything else. So as a, but as an actor in that space of those two years, you could have. Done. done numerous roles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I wanted that's to ask right. you, Ian, on the subject of um, your brilliant Hamlet um, and the fact that you did mention that, you know, you are 82 and I imagine perhaps that beforehand Hamlet was probably perhaps a role that you've gone, well, I've played it many, many years ago. I'm never going to play that again. Yes. Is there any role that you would love to play regardless of age or if anyone else has played it? Is there anything that you've always gone, ah, I really, really wish I could have done that? Well, I've I've never wanted, as some actors say, they have wanted to play Napoleon, you know. (laughs) Well, if you wanted to play Napoleon, uh, that's not enough, is it? Whose script is it? Right, okay, yeah. Uh, so the idea that, oh, I've always wanted to play Winston Churchill, well, yeah, but what's, what's the script like? <laughs> yes. <laughs> always been my attitude. So, however, there are parts that I, that I feel I've missed, but that, oh, really? that's in the classic rep- theatre repertoire. You know, there are some parts in Shakespeare that yeah. 
I, I never played Benedict, a wonderful comic part in mm. Much Ado About Nothing. And there are other were parts you too, but when you did, were you Claudio uh, when you were Much Ado? Uh, so I'm kind of you to bring that up, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's true. I also play Claudio, <laughs> so I understand. Oh, you know what a dreadful part it is. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I'm worse. I played it twice. Oh, really? Oh, gosh. Once directed by Franco Zeffirelli, who oh, was nice. at the Fair National Theatre with, with Maggie Smith. And not, well, that's not too shabby then, is it? Uh, and uh, however, when he'd finished doing that, he picked up Michael York, who'd been playing a coffee boy, uh, mm -hmm. uh, doing nothing to make him into a film star. But not me. I was left on stage with this dreadful... <laughs> has has or, there been any films that you turned down that you kind of wished maybe looking back you hadn't? Well, uh, one shouldn't really say, but um, because other people went on to have big successes in them. But <laughs> there, there's there, one film I, I, I is in this very room that uh, Alan Bennett and uh, Stephen Frears asked, trying to persuade me to be in uh, Prick Up Your Ears, a play about the playwright Joe Orton, who was mm. murdered by his partner and I didn't take much to the script I thought there was another way of look at, looking at that tale dreadful story I said no because I, I, I just finished a lot of work and I, I was going on to another big watch of work and I thought I wouldn't feeling there were problems and, and ones that I would have to solve I felt I didn't really have the time or the attitude to do it so I said, no. Well, when I saw the film, uh, I adored. <laughs> I felt miffed. Uh, my, Good own word. Fault. Uh, my own fault. But no, I, I didn't turn down Lawrence of Arabia or... So I suppose it's very important for you to find roles that you connect to because you have done smaller films as well, you know, uh, like Asylum or films that were shot in a short period of time. You have done Infinitum, Subject Unknown. You've come in and helped for, you know, for Matt and Tori here. You have... It helped in in a way. You have come on board projects as well, using your name in a way, your spirit, but also you obviously want to do those projects. And I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about, especially to our filmmakers out there who are, a lot of them are starting out, a lot of them are, are moving forward, young actors, young filmmakers, as to how they'd approach someone like yourself to bring you onto their projects. Having had that one outing as a producer, if I get a letter from a producer at whatever level they happen to be, uh, I feel sympathetic because I know <laughs> that's good. That is this good. letter has, uh, is not coming out of the blue. They've mm -hmm. talked about it no end, and eventually they've decided. Well, we, I suppose we could try and you know. <laughs> but anyway, there, there, there are all these problems, and, and you want to help. Now, the best way you can help is by saying yes to whatever they're asking. Uh, and, and if it comes from uh, friends you trust, like uh, your two interlocutors here, then, of course, it gives you great pleasure to be able to help. Well, if you want to get in touch with an actor who you think would be absolutely spot-on right and help your movie in other ways too, uh, contact them. How do you do that? Well, the, all actors have got agents. Mm -hmm. And you can find the agents because they're all in a book somewhere. Uh, it's not that difficult. And, oh, but the, the actor will never know that I've written. Well, then those actors don't have very good agents. I, I see every request that comes my way. It might come with a, a damning comment from the agent. So. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they pass it on, though, which is yeah, great. I can't think this is something you would want to do. do it. Think about it. <laughs> But, and in fact, I had I had a, a note like that in an email from my agent. He said, I, I can't think why you would want to do this. I did have a good reason why I was interested in doing it. So people think, oh, no, we must get the script to them, miss out the agent. I tell you, if, if I get a script from my agent, I pay it, give it more attention, more respect than if I, it comes out of the blue from someone who's happened to find out where I live. Right. Mm. That's interesting. Because we're, you know, we're in a business. It's a profession yeah. and agents have a part to play. And um, I'm not asking people to start sending me scripts, please. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking you that. Know, I was like... He's busy. Because yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, no. I'm, I'm busy for the <laughs> foreseeable future. But I, I think um, most actors remember what it was like when they needed to ask a favour. 
if they're now successful. All actors want to work. And they're always hoping, of course, that something is going to arrive out of the blue, which is, is going to just be so special. It's their Lord of the Rings, basically. There we go. So you don't have to feel when you approach an actor that um, you want them to do you a favour, mm. rather that you are doing them a favour. But, you know, I, I'm full of admiration for, for, for young producers who just step out into the unknown and do things in, on their own terms. You know who I'm talking about. Uh, here they are. And, uh, uh, but they're, they're not alone. There are many, many, many people trying to do And at the theatre, too. It's quite nice to hear, because I still sort of work, you know, go, think, you know, if, if we send this to an agent, is the actor ever going to actually read it? But it's quite nice to uh, hear that, you know, you do get things, which is nice. Well, I, I do, and <laughs> I, I, I assume others do, too. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I suppose insecurities and losing characters, right? When you're playing a character for so long, or you've found a character, when when you lose it, oh, you finish the film and you're then not working with those people anymore. Yes. Dealing with that sort of loss. I mean, we've always found we, this. Is, you talk quite a, a little yeah. bit about this. Yeah. It's filmmakers. We struggle when suddenly we go, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. You're out of that bubble. As someone who has done this a lot, how do you deal with that to suddenly you It's probably not it. as bad for, for the actors as, as for the people doing those jobs, which will be continuing when the actors have left. Mm. Well, it's always bittersweet, isn't it? On the, la on the last day of whatever the job is, theatre or, or telly or cinema, there will be a regret, won't it? This is over. Of course, there will be some aspects of the work that you haven't enjoyed and you think, thank God. <laughs> I never have to I see that person see again. I don't have to see that person anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and they're probably saying it about me. So, But it isn't over because in a film... You have to go back and They're do forever. some extra work. Well, yeah. There's always the premiere to go to. That there are reunions. But as far as far as far as that you're saying goodbye to, to people as opposed to the project, mm -hmm. yeah. you're not saying goodbye to the people because uh, there'll be another chance, there'll be another film, there'll be another play. And you know, I, I, I work with people now who I've not worked with for fifty years. Hmm. I haven't forgotten them. No. But I don't know them. But then when you get back to work, you're right back to where you were all those years ago. So uh, that that's a real pleasure of the job, Yeah, that you're always saying goodbye, but then you're always saying hello again as mm -hmm. well. Let's go to some questions from our, our fans and yours. Uh, this is from Callie. She's asked, um, what's your favourite role and why? Um, was it the team character or script? These I don't have a favourite part, but I'm very grateful for having played Gandalf. It, it was a wonderful gift. Not a difficult part to play, but it's um, for an actor to, to land on a part which of which they're always associated. And in a film that was has many merits and, and has, has, remains popular after 20 years, in other words, a classic, I suppose it would have to be Gandalf. What about, what about your most sort of challenging role, something that's kind of really, really pushed you? To I, kind found, of... I found um, Magneto difficult. Mm. Magneto doesn't have many speeches. I kept saying, can you write him a decent speech? <laughs> well, no, it's based, it's based on a comic and, and there are no speeches in comics. One-liners. One-liners, yeah. yes. Mm. <laughs> that, and, and also I didn't know what, quite what I was doing with it. So I, I was often ill at ease when we were filming that. But uh, I did think the story was well worth telling, and, uh, and it turned out to be terrific. Well, I've, I've actually just read that apparently uh, now when they're making the new Marvel films, they say when, when we're talking about the baddie, we need to make them as good as Magneto. Apparently you, you set the bar for really? like, baddies in the Marvel oh, world. There so we go. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, if they, uh, if they want the same sort of performance, I mean... Here I am. <laughs> <laughs> You've played the on. role... Is it five, it five films that you played the role? No, three... Is it three? I don't know. It, I think it's because you did Wolverine, you Wolverine as well. Because you Wolverine as well. Oh, we were, we were, were marginal in. It weren't yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you popped up at the bottom, yeah. Technically, yes. it's five. Technically. <laughs> yeah. But you'd, you'd go again with Magneto. Or a different Marvel film, I think. Oh, or I different. don't know. I don't know. Different baddie. I think we'll let uh, Fassbinder get on with it. He's <laughs> 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 know what he's doing. He's, he's in a row. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, question from Chris Watt. Uh, how do you negotiate the process of performing for the lens as to live audience? I suppose we've already touched on that a lot, but maybe if there's one well, more Well, experience, answer. just doing it over and over again. And, and of course, uh, 
someone starting out, an actor starting out, can practice and rehearse and discover how to act for the camera by simply putting up their iPhone and acting to it. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Absolutely. Do, I mean, anyone can make a film. Yes. No, I think, and I think you can speed up the, pro- I think actors can speed up that process now. You know, when I was starting out, you'd have to wait for the next job to try to and practice. progress. Yeah. 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 You can just do it in your bedroom and just try and see what works out. What exactly. works, what doesn't. I, I, but you, you used to say, oh, it's so much easier putting on a play than making a movie because you've got, you've got to find where you're going to do it and so on. But no, actually, it's the opposite. You can make a film for nothing. Mm. It will cost you nothing. And if you want to become better at acting for the camera, set up the camera and act and have a look at it. Get somebody else to look at it. No, it's it's just wonderful opportunities. Now, how that transfers it into a a paying job is another matter, but um, I don't think we can... As artists sit around waiting for the offers, mm-hmm. you, you've got to get ready. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as luck. I mean, well, there is luck, but um, there's no luck when it comes to are you going to be able to take advantage of the luck? Mm-hmm. You have to be prepared. So get, you know, j- just as you would be if you were a singer, constantly practicing uh, and uh, and physically too, uh getting your body ready well you can get your your acting skills ready by practicing mm. uh, and then finally to wrap this brilliant chat up um it is it's something you say to students when you're uh, teaching potentially um if they don't study uh, oh i see that was cunning <laughs> i didn't see that coming <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you well, then they suggested people you like quizzes. This is a quiz. What, yes. what, what, what would Ian McKellen say to a student who is preparing for examination? Because if they don't do their work properly and if they don't pre- prepare and look over their notes before going into the examination, then you shall not pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there we have it, everyone. That was our episode with the fantastic Ian McKellen. How fun was that? Oh, he's like, he's... Uh, you can talk, to, you can, well, you can listen. Yeah. You can listen to him for hours and exactly. hours, which I often do. And he's such a lovely man. Yeah. He's a lovely he really man. Is. And yeah, I mean, maybe we can try and get him to part two at some point as well. Yeah. Yes. And I can actually ask a decent question at the beginning about cats. Yeah. Cats. That would be our way in. Yeah. Or with infinite subjects yeah. unknown part two. Maybe. Maybe he's gonna yes. be nuts so we could get him on to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, be fun. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Wow, that was Surrey McKellen. Uh thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Tori for uh, setting this up and for being amazing oh, thank you Charles right everyone you can go out there and make your indie film you can make it happen just as Ian McKellen did and then didn't want to do again but you can <laughs> you might feel the same <laughs> and if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the, the elevator, elevator back down. down we will see you all very soon Peter Dinklage is coming up very soon yes. for you as well another superstar joining us but until then we will see you all next Tuesday Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Filmmakers Podcast today. If you'd like to support our ongoing efforts to bring the filmmaking world to life, have a look at our Patreon page.